This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning, you're listening to The Property Show in the Morning Run and I'm Sim Weeboon. Last month, the think tank, the Institute for Democracy and Economy Affairs, better known as IDEAS, and the Coalition for Business Integrity, CBI, released the Corruption in the Supply Chain, Forms and Impacts on Consumers Report. It's an in-depth study on how corruption in the construction, healthcare and education sector takes place. The study found that corruption has an impact on the average Malaysian consumer by raising the price of goods, including property. So joining me on the show today to discuss the study is Marche, the CEO of CBI, and Trisha Yeo, CEO of Ideas. Good morning, Trisha. Good morning, Mark. Thank you guys for joining the show. So, Mark, I want to start off with this. How does corruption work in the construction sector? Are there different types of corruption at work here? Construction is a is a lengthy process that starts from acquisition of land all the way down to approval of plans, submission of tenders and all that. Every stage, actually, there are some elements of uh, corruption that has been built in all these years. The various forms of corruption could be bribery, uh, favoritism, even extortion, fraud, and so forth. So there, there's a mix depending on what, at which stage and depending on what sort of project is concerned. Across the value chain, where is it most prevalent? Are we talking about permits, materials, financing, land acquisition? Maybe you can break it down for us. That's a good question, but uh, unfortunately, it is also very fluid in the sense that it varies a lot from project to project, the location. And uh, like, for example, even, even in terms of permits and all that, the quantum of so-called under-counter uh, under and all that, it really varies. It's very difficult to, to uh, seize, you know, uh, a benchmark. But <clears throat> certainly after talking to some people, there is a, quite a substantial amount uh, involved. Uh, but the, the problem uh, with our study is that we more or less focus on the downline. That means from, from the, uh, the main contractor, after getting the tender or whatever, all the way down, filter down to the uh, consumer. So that process actually is quite a downline process. And we try to analyze, try to find uh, elements of uh, uh, corruption along the way. Uh, having said that, all this would be uh, quite an estimate because nobody is going to open the book to let you see, all right? Even, even the accountant in the, um, say the, the developer or the construction company, they will not allow you to see what, what is inside. Uh, they even cover, they will even cover up. There's this thing called creative accounting. And all these are somehow is, is covered up. So it will be very, very difficult to extract the real figure. But through the process of uh, talking, you know, uh, interview with some of them, we managed to extract some uh, quantum. That's all. So this study, is it just purely based on interviews? How does the data aspect of it involve? How did you tabulate or come towards these conclusions that you have? These data are derived from uh, interviews, uh, very informal interviews. I mean, it's not like uh, what you are having now with us. <laughs> very informal. And, um, and very often, a lot of people would not want to disclose unless they trust you, unless you, maybe you are their friend. Even sometimes friends do not want to disclose, all right? So it would be quite difficult uh, to extract. But nonetheless, CPI being involved in this uh, anti-corruption effort, 
We are also the trainer for the uh, anti-bribery management system. Uh, also, the consultancy for ISO 37001 uh, and with this process, I am able to get closer to the companies and, and talk about it because that is just a platform or vehicle to open up the, the, the space. All right. Okay, so how unique is like corruption in the construction sector versus other sectors? Because construction involved in a lot of engineering process from uh, the, the designer, the architect, the civil engineer, the electrical engineer, and so forth. All right. There are a lot of uh, parties involved in coming up with a, with a project. And every stage, there could be opportunity for corruption. Okay. I think, Trisha, you have something you want to add on? I think ideas as the research partner uh, for this particular project with the CBI, uh, we were working closely to develop this policy paper. So just kind of to give additional perspectives of some of the questions that you've already asked, Mark. Um, so the, the main thing, maybe just to draw out a little bit, like the question that we were trying to address in this research paper is how does corruption negatively impact consumers in Malaysia, right? and what action can be taken to address it. I know we're, we're focusing on construction today, but we also looked at uh, education and healthcare sectors. And basically the question is, when people pay out of their pockets, how much of that ringgit is going to corruption within the supply chain? Apart from um, the interviews that you already mentioned uh, that CBI conducted with stakeholders, uh, we also had stakeholder consultation. So several roundtable discussions were done uh, behind closed doors. Uh, the, the people who were invited were very forthright, very open actually about uh, the experiences that they had, uh, obviously all anonymized for uh, security. And um, Ideas also did an econometric analysis on the relationship between corruption and price. So although the study showed that there was no statistically significant finding, there was a correlation between corruption and price. And it's not unintuitive, meaning that it is actually in an intuitive direction um, the lower the governance score is, meaning that the, the poorer you govern something or the higher the corruption, uh, the higher the price as well. So there is a correlation between that there. Um, just going back into your question about, you know, where in the supply chain is it actually the most, um, where are the prices escalating the most, mm. right? That's what, that's what we're trying to know. So out of like um, the money that you're paying for a house or for an office building, how much of that actually goes in? So we divided um, the stages in construction to the pre-development and then the development stage. So in the pre-development stage, the permit is one of the highest where the application for the permits, uh, there are related bright payments there where the respondents say things like, okay, they just need to count the made, right? So they just need to uh, get the, the permit done. So uh, for different growth development value projects, so we analyzed two different probable one. So one, if it's about a 200 million ringgit uh, growth development value project, about 6 million actually of that could be that kind of under the table money. And then within the de development stage, there are the procurement, um, construction and inspection stages, or rather sub stages within development. Uh, and all of these stages also have corruption opportunities. I mean, as Mark mentioned earlier, because there are just so many people involved in the construction of a certain uh, building, there's so many opportunities for uh, bribery to take place. And one of the larger amounts um, is within construction, 
where you have the, the re-engineering and the changes in the material supply. So we found that was about 22.5 million. So if you estimate the entire percentage of bribery in the entire construction process, what we found is that it can go up to 15% of bribery within the supply chain. Uh, so what you're saying is that out of um, something that you're buying, you know, say 100,000, so 15% of that actually goes into bribery. But this is also amazing. Once we launched the paper and we spoke to other stakeholders and people have gotten back to us with comments, um, the feedback that we got is that 15% is a very low estimate. So what we've heard is that actually doubling that to 30% is not unreasonable. So I think we'll just leave it there. I just want to say that for this kind of research and because many times we talk about corruption, but we don't know what the impact is on people's everyday lives. And this is the connection that we want to make because unless you make that connection, then people will not take it seriously because corruption can be a very high polluting thing. You know, 1FDB, uh, things that only the elite is involved with. Mm. But when we recognize that everyday people, you and I are actually paying for that consequence, uh, this is when we start to wake up and realize like, no, the system is wrong. It's very difficult to do this research because um, it's not scientific in a sense when you cannot get names and, and companies represented. People are always very scared uh, to speak about this because they are afraid to reveal things and the, the way things are politicized right now, uh, I don't blame them. But the point is that um, we need more such research to be conducted so that we can corroborate with each other. Mm. To sum it down in terms of how it connects with the regular person, the consumer, out of the entire price that you're paying, it's not unreasonable to think that 15 or maybe more percent of that price you're paying for is going into these uh, corrupt practices. Yes, yeah, we believe that. Yeah. Um, before we take a short break, I just want to ask also, in this supply chain and where this happens, are they committed all by different agents uh, that are acting on their own or is that a is there a flow or is there a kind of like a process that just happens and everyone knows about it and everyone is acting in concert with the other person? Oh yeah. Actually it's um it's very exploratory. Everyone is acting on their own, all right? They know the trend, they know how to uh, uh, secure the contract, they know how to ensure that their products and services will be accepted in the project. All right. Even supplies of products and services, they have to somehow get into the right term with the one who is in charge of the project in order to be able to supply. Now, in others, in other, it is um, well. We talk about transparency in tendering and, and so forth and all that. And very often, I think they there are ways to go around it. There are certain favored people who get the business. That is what is happening. Hmm. Okay, we're going to take a short break for some messages and we'll be back. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. You're tuned in to The Property Show on The Morning Run. I'm Sim Wee Boon and with me today is Mark Che, the CEO of CBI and Trisha Yeo, the CEO of Ideas. Uh, we're talking about corruption in the construction and property sector and how it impacts us. This is based off their latest study that was released last month called Corruption in the Supply Chain, Forms and Impacts on, on Consumers. So apart from price, I want to ask now, like, what are the other ways that these corrupt practices uh, in the construction or the property sector can affect uh, the consumer, someone that bought, bought a house, someone that's buying an office building? I mean, how else does it affect the person? The effect on the, the person on the right, yeah, I think it's quite far-fetched. Certainly, immediate effect would be, well, we have to pay a higher price, we have to borrow a 
a bigger loan, even to pay for the bribery that we that is embedded in the price, uh, that is immediate effect. But in the long run, if you think in a wider scope, we are actually supporting a underground economy, whereby it will not benefit the nation, whereby uh, the fact that we are now at this stage where our wages is very difficult to rise up, it is all because of uh, this uh, underground economy that is uh, working hand in hand with uh, corruption, unproductivity, wastages, and so forth, and uh, and we are stuck at this level. All right, Trisha, do you have anything yeah. to add? Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree. Right, like the kind of long term uh, development of the country, it does not augur well generally for wages, for jobs, uh, creating a stable economy for investors, for uh, growing new sectors, like all of those things are really crucial. And I think we are at that um, crossroads in that sense. But I think just going back to the question of um, the consumer himself or herself, apart from the fact that it will hit your wallet, say, let's say, okay, let's take the extravagance. So we, I mentioned 15% earlier, but then we have also got feedback that it's 30%. So let's say a third of your your uh, expenditure goes to corruption. Um, that's quite revealing in itself. But I think two other major consequences that we cannot forget are, number one, it means that the quality of the goods or services that you're paying for is severely impacted. Um, the, the construction of the buildings that you're actually you know, living in or working in, uh, if the materials had been compromised, like how safe are we living or working in these premises? Uh, and also, don't forget that we looked at hospitals. So um, construction of the hospitals also means that if you're going into hospital and you're expecting you to have a safe and secure environment because you're sick and you want to be treated, um, the quality of that will be compromised as well. And I think this is really quite a dangerous revelation. Um, the, the second thing would be that corruption also places a long-term strain on uh, government's public finances, uh, especially if there are failed projects. So if the project itself fails because of the compromise of quality, then there's further pressure on the cost of living because then government has to raise higher taxes and the higher taxes ultimately impact on the consumer ourselves because we are also having to pay right for, lost, for the losses of revenues. So it's very simple actually, if you just think about it, um, government has a set of revenues within its finances. If many of these are, say, government projects, and in this report, we didn't actually distinguish between government projects and private projects because the focus was on um, the impact on consumers. But if uh, if you're talking about government projects, and I would imagine that some of this actually has a propensity to balloon up even more because there are even more uh, multiple layers, right? So, you know, we, we like to say in the, in the liberal circles that every agency or every opportunity where you have an agency or, or a license, any license or permit is an opportunity for additional uh, rent-seeking. Does this mean that enforcement is an issue? Yes, our enforcement hasn't been very consistent. Um, it could be sporadic, it could be depending on time and season. Sometimes it, it is very straight, sometimes it's very lax. And uh, all this boils down to the word integrity that CBI is trying to champion. All right, If all of us, the riot, the officers and so forth have a good level of integrity, all right? They will want to discharge their job and take pride in their job. So how would 
policy be able to be shaped to take in the essence of what Marx said and also the findings of your, this study? I mean, how can the government involve itself in a more active way? What kind of policies, what, what can be done to make sure that the outcome is much better? Actually, this is also something that uh, we wanted to emphasize in the report, right? So these are just symptoms. These are well, endemic symptoms already, as you mentioned earlier, um, and kind of bring the audience back into what already exists, which is a very well-developed national anti-corruption plan, the NACP. Um, unfortunately, we have not heard very much of its progress in the last one and a half years. Uh, I, I would expect to see some kind of progress report. Um, the NACP contains some policy measures would, which would address some of the things that we're talking about here. So specifically, um, to establish a strong and effective mechanism in the issuance of permits and licensing. So permits and licensing, again, goes back to every point at which there's a permit or license required. Uh, there's opportunities for... So in this case, the civil servants, right? Uh, civil servants within the government administration who are receiving these to accept bribes. So we, again, we haven't focused much on that role of the of the government of the bureaucracy in the in the entire supply chain. Um, I, I don't know whether you want to. It's not really a blame game. Like, is mm. it the giver or is it the taker's fault? But the point is, if there is a better mechanism in the issuance, like more predictability, like uh, just okay, these are the steps that are needed to acquire the permit and license. And there's no third party that re that is required for you to uh, approve. As long as you meet those requirements, it, it has to be absolutely clear you will get it, right? There's no two ways about it. Um, other things would be uh, having uh, greater corporate resilience against the threat of corruption. So having organizational anti-corruption plans in place. Um, also importantly, because I mentioned procurement as one of the, the areas, right? During the, the development stage, uh, in construction. So to introduce legislation on procurement activities, uh, what we really hope to see is that the government legislates for a government procurement act, a GPA, uh, because this will put in place many of the circulars that are already in existence uh, within the Ministry of Finance. So again, this is more from the government side, uh, but we need to also finally have a transparent management of foreign workers and a centralized management system for application because what we also found is that uh, there's a lot of corruption also when it comes to recruitment of the foreign workers, and that has not been addressed enough. Uh, other things would be like having a stronger and more robust Whistleblower Protection Act, um, having a simpler regulatory environment to reduce the incentives for corruption. And finally, uh, this is more broadly policy, promoting more competitive and innovative markets, because it is when you have competition that the market will naturally self-select projects that are not ballooning in price. Okay, but policy aside, what about like a regular Joe, the consumer? Because we know throughout this conversation, I guess we all can conclude that the loser is the consumer. So what can the consumer do? All right, I think your question is very timely. Now that we have Section 17A of the MACC Amendment Act in place and enforced, um, one of the key things is that we would like to look forward to a developer who can be certified to this uh, anti-bribery system, not at the local, but at international standard by an international certification body. Now, if they can achieve that, then I think that would draw a lot of confident buyers. 
that you know they they can buy from them and uh, rest assured that the level of uh, bribery hidden embedded in the price of the of the unit uh, could be lower. It may not be 100% eliminated, but certainly you'll be curtailed. So that that is what I would advocate. Hmm. Tricia, do you have anything to add to that? Um, I think it's really time for us to be quite innovative, right, in the way that we we think about corruption. So uh, I think it's great, uh, as Mark says, that having Section 17A on the books now, um, but I don't know, even without waiting for government to create like an index or something, uh, I think we can, we consumers or the private sector would be able to do like ideas as a research institution could rank the construction, the major construction companies in Malaysia by um, how much they are subscribing to transparent and accountable practices, um, committing to not providing bribery and then forcing the public to actually choose like which are the property companies that you're actually going to support. I know this part of the research looks at the consumer and mm. looks at the, the property developer. Uh, I just also want to say that we need to look at the receivers as well, right? Mm. So at every step of the way, um, there are agencies receiving those bribes in order to give out the permit or the license. And maybe another innovative idea would be for local councils or the actual government bodies that are the ones issuing those permits and licenses to also take a stand and say that um, in all the transactions that we've issued this year, none of, none of them has involved a bribe in any way. So I think once you have one government agency or local council doing it, then maybe this would be replicated in others as well, because local councils are the ones that provide a lot of the, the development and, and, and the land office. Land office is another important one, which is a state government body. And I think it goes back down to whether the consumers are able to accept this. You as a buyer, are you willing to accept that whatever you're paying for, whatever you're buying, a chunk of it has gone into this supply chain of corruption, corrupt practices. But anyways, thank you, Trisha. Thank you, Mark, for joining me in this conversation. That's all the time we have for today's property show. I've been speaking to Trisha Yeo, CEO of Ideas, and Mark Che, CEO of CBI. And I'm Simi Boon, signing off for the morning run. We have the 10 a.m. news bulletin coming up next, followed by Enterprise, PFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.